and salutations from the number 19 TV and film podcast in Malaysia. <laughs> this is Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. And yes, it's time for a brand new season of Arthur. It's Will Young here. And as you usually know, if it's just me at the top of the episode, that means it's going to be a little bit different. But as I like to think, different is good. And in this case, I think it's going to be a good one. Of course, this week, it is going to be me and a special guest, uh, Cash, who has joined us before on an episode that I did with Wacky Deli, great YouTuber, and Cash, who is a YouTuber and podcaster. We talked about the digital Arthur shorts that were uh, coming into prominence around then, and something we'll probably talk about again in the future at some point, because it seems that will be the future of Arthur. So I asked Cash if they would like to join us for this episode, and they graciously agreed. Uh, Lucas, unfortunately, is out sick this week. We're wishing him all the best and speedy recovery. And yes, we are going to be getting into Arthur Season 14. But a couple things I wanted to wanted to mention first. Um, one of which is that we were mentioned in the AV Club. <laughs> Uh, definitely going to bring this up again uh, when Lucas returns on hopefully the next episode of Elwood City Limits. But yeah, the podcast was mentioned in a new article for the AV Club, new as of this recording, uh, recording this on March 17th, 2022. Um, the article is called How Arthur Became TV's Longest Running Children's Animated Show. The author is Felicia Fitzpatrick. It's a really good rundown of, you know, a potted history of Arthur. Of course, it includes quotes from the great Finding DW podcast and Jason Schwimmer. And then there's a little hyperlink in there for the long-running Elwood City Limits. Always really cool to see, especially for a, uh, a website that... Lucas and I have read tons of stuff from the AV Club. It's hard to escape if you're a fan of TV or uh, entertainment. So, yeah, just something really cool for us to hang our hat on. And, yeah, just it just continually reminds me that we couldn't have gotten very far if it wasn't for you, the listener. So thank you so much. Uh, we are indebted to you. This all kind of comes back to you in a way because as – much as the podcast is indeed long-running, it wouldn't be long-running if we didn't have a lot of great listeners. So thank you very much for getting us to places like this. It really uh, brightened up both our days, and uh, yeah, we're very grateful about that. There's one email I wanted to touch on very quickly from uh, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. This one is from Curtis. I uh, heard it brought up a lot recently. want to give my input, my personal theory on the animal hierarchy. We see a lot of inconsistencies with how the different animals are portrayed in-universe, a problem that is hardly new, i.e., why is Mickey Mouse larger than his dog Pluto? The thing that led me to my own personal theory, however, is postcards from Buster and the episode that sparked the spinoff in the original series. In said episode, we see that through the camera, everyone around the main cast are normal human people in the photorealistic world. But when the camera's turned off and we have fully animated scenes, the people in the crowd are Arthur animated characters. Then we further see that real-life people like Yo-Yo Ma and Mr. Rogers exist in Arthur. We could, if so desired, devise a theory that this is some alternate universe that looks different through a video camera, but Occam's Razor gives a much better solution, I think. Arthur is well-established to have a lot of anxiety in the series, a cliche that 
that is brought up to help someone with things like public speaking is imagining everyone in their underwear or some other ridiculous scenario. Thus, my theory. Imagining the world as a cartoon is Arthur's coping mechanism. Thus, Arthur is a real human person in the real human world where his family and friends have visited real-life places and met real-life people. I rest my case. That's from Curtis C. Always interesting to hear people's theories, and there is a little bit of water to this one. It treads a little close personally, to the old TV tropes of like, you know, you would go on the, what is it, the the, the, the trees, the epileptic trees one, I don't know if you can even use that term anymore, but, uh, you know, the wild, or wild mass guessing, that's the other one, of like, like, it turns out this show that you loved, what if they were crazy? What if they're imagining this from a mental institution? Now, I, I think Curtis stopped short of that. And there, I, I actually find a couple bits of that evidence rather compelling. But, um, yeah, in terms of Arthur using his anxiety to cope for that, I mean, it's interesting to think about in the light of all grown up when Arthur becomes a cartoonist or, you know, an illustrator, uh, a comic book creator. So maybe this is just the way that he interprets the world. He loves to draw animals, so he imagines people as animals. It's a fun thought experiment, as these usually are. So thanks, Curtis. And, of course, you can send in your emails to elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. We've gotten some great uh, interaction on our Twitter and Instagram recently, so thank you very much for that. And on our YouTube channel as well. This isn't part of our mid-roll, so to speak. So, uh, once again, if you want to, uh, we're up to episode 70-something on YouTube. Search Elwood City Limits on YouTube. I'm just really, I want to get to 100 subscribers so I can tell you to go to youtube.com slash Elwood City Limits. But a couple of uh, listeners have let us know that they appreciate being able to go back all the way to the beginning, and so I'll be uh, uploading those episodes episodes one a day until we get to where we catch up with the main feed and then we'll see what else I put on the YouTube. And of course, want to give a huge thank you to our patrons. We've had a, an influx of new patrons uh, who probably are interested to hear our thoughts on EC, or ECL, All Grown Up. We are grown up. Uh, Arthur, the final episode entitled All Grown Up. We had a lot of fun recording that episode, and we hope that you uh, would like to hear that. We put a little extended preview at the end of the recent Season 13 recap here on the free feed. And I put a good part in there, but there's so much more to that discussion. So I would really encourage you uh, to check out the free feed one at least and consider uh, supporting us over on Patreon. Uh, Like some of our new patrons, including Emma, Coyote0620, and Josh and Dallow. We also have people like Tyler Bozetsky, Louis Pascal, Rory Forever, and Jeffrey Norris. And we have some longtime supporters like Gabby S., Baby Show Addict. We have Kelsey Taylor. We have Sydney Long, who I must say was the one who uh, tipped us off to the Arthur piece. So thank you, Sydney. Daniel Uptograph and Ursula Cat. We have EJ Acra and Michaela Gibson, Sierra S., Aaron DeFilippo, and Stella Froppy, and Dan Big Challenges Silva. And thank you to everybody. Remember, if it's been a while since your name has been mentioned as a patron, please let me know. I always kind of do this a little bit by random, so I'm not purposely leaving you out. 
So this is it. We're starting Arthur season 14. Cash and I are going to be talking about the first episode. But before we get into that, I wanted to take this opportunity to give a little bit of uh, information up top about season 14 itself. Now, as I understand it, we don't have any voice cast changes, at least not yet, or at least any major ones. Uh, the This season, at a glance, is known for a couple of interesting episodes and guest appearances. I'm very excited to get to those. We have, um, we are still in the uh, traditional hand-drawn animation, such as it is, but a couple of pieces of information here. So the series, season 14, was originally broadcast from October 2010 to April 2011. Now, this was broadcast earlier in Israel and Australia, and later in the UK. The earlier release dates are apparently due to the intention of releasing these episodes over the rate of two years, and I guess the rate may have changed in some of those countries. For all you tech wizards out there, this is the first season to be produced in 1080i HD, and the first season to use episode previews in the title cards but this was only overseas. Now, for the U.S. airings, I know we have a lot of U.S. and Canada-based listeners. You probably, uh, it probably doesn't look all that different to you because the U.S. airings still have the animated title cards and broadcast in 480i. So the HD broadcast and the episode previews and the title cards, which will become um, a staple of new Arthur, are being being done overseas, not so much uh, domestically when we're talking about the U.S. and Canada. So yeah, that's pretty much all of the the lead up I wanted to give this one. There is another bit of information about this season at a glance that uh, Cash and I are going to get into when we talk about the new character in the first half of this episode, The Wheel Deal. That's about all the ramp up I wanted to give it. Just a a great deal of thanks to our patrons and just in general to everybody. I can't believe we started this in 2016. What would I have said? What would Lucas have said if we had had gone back in time and said, one day you're going to be in the AV club. Maybe next time we can actually have an article about our show itself. But... You know, I don't want to shoot too big. I think my my goal is still to get on the Arthur Wiki. Hint, hint. Uh, so please let me know if that happens. All right, that's enough for me. Let's get on to the actual episode of Arthur. Thank you for your patience. Um, oh, I'll just mention really quick for patrons. Uh, next week we will be finally getting back to for the kids, a PBS Kids podcast. It feels like we've been away for a long time with our episode on Sid the Science Kid. So look forward to that. Uh, wishing a speedy return to Lucas. And now, let's get to this episode of Elwood City Limits featuring Cash. All right, here we go. The first Elwood City Limits of season 14. And I've got a great guest this time. A guest that, when we spoke two years ago, um, they were certainly uh, active as a podcaster, a YouTuber, an animation expert, I dare say, or at least an anim- uh, someone passionate about animation. And now I feel that in the couple of years since we have last uh, spoken on a podcast, they have really, really beefed up their uh, their podcasting portfolio. There's a lot of interesting uh, things happening in the world of Cash, and I'm glad to have them here to talk about it. Hey, Cash. Hello. It's very nice to hear from you again. 
Yes, indeed. Uh, I know it's sometimes with a lot of my guests, I get a little uh, uh, anxious, I suppose, of just like, yeah, it has been two years. Uh, you want to record a <laughs> podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, time really does fly, huh? Well, and of course, when we we were first recorded in the middle of the pandemic, so it was all a little weird and strange, and like Arthur was on the internet, and now, well, every, everything's changed. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, like I mentioned up at the top there, in case anyone isn't familiar with you, and I definitely think they should be, um, Cash, you're of course, uh, you're. Is it, is it fair to say that you're an animator? I know that you're an illustrator. You do a lot of illustrations on your social media, but are you an animator as well? Um, I've experimented with it, but I would, I would definitely say I'm more of an illustrator. Um, just someone that draws, I would like to learn how to make the move eventually. Um, but I would more so see myself as a character designer, honestly. Fair enough. And you're, and you're really good. I really love your great follow on Twitter and on Instagram. And you've also got your own thing going on on YouTube and uh, your podcast as well. It's fair to say that you are uh, an animation uh, junkie, perhaps, or maybe like an animation. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of a word. It's uh, a fanatic, let's say. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's a pretty, pretty apt description, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what do you what are you uh, what's kind of what's inspiring you right now i think that's something that i always i would like to touch base on with you about like i i think when you say you know somebody that's really interested in animation like i'm interested in animation too but that's a very like broad question what what these days is really um inspiring you or what are you just like watching and really enjoying so in terms of inspiration um like, especially in regards to, like, content creation, like, talk about animation, wanting to, like, be in it. Um, the YouTuber Pan Pizza has always been a huge yes. influence on me. Like, since mm-hmm. I was young, like, I'm, I'm talking, like, early high school, honestly, because it was really emblematic, uh, just, like, hear from someone who I shared a lot of interest with and, you know, was basically just, like, building himself up from the ground up, talking about stuff in a new way that, like, you know, as much as you could back then, like, you helped gain appreciation of, like, how stuff was made. And, you know, I honestly feel like it's very inspiring, the fact that he is also someone who this whole time hasn't tried to make into the industry, trying to make his own um, original pilot. And I figured that, hey, if, like, if he can do it, so can I, you know? So it's always been, like, very inspiring. He's left a huge influence on me. And I would say, in terms of things I've been watching, um, and I guess this is, like, a plug for a future <laughs> retrospective video, um, but mm. Kamen Rider Ryuki has been, oh. um, <laughs> yeah, that's been, uh, taking, um, a lot of, like, headspace, uh, for the past couple weeks, honestly, and I think it's just, like, really admirable, um, a lot of characters are, like, really, way more nuanced than I ever would have thought, um, and I think that it was just the underlying desire in order to, like, make a show like that in order to teach children uh, the idea of justice is, you know, again, admirable in its own way. Uh, as a matter of fact, I actually end up in this script for uh, part one of this. Uh, it, it's nowhere near done, honestly. It's like my, my longest video project as of yet. Uh, but I directly use uh, Arthur's like April 9th um, mm. as a direct comparison because these like both two pieces of media um, that 
were made as a result of the you know the attacks uh and they both went about through different ways but i still thought mm. it was an interesting comparison because like both of them wanted to communicate um just the importance of you know justice uh, empathy uh and you no know, being able to heal Mm-hmm. Um, you know, different ways. You no, know, Arthur obviously addressed it in a more direct way, while um with Ryuki, it's more like the encompassing uh moral for the whole show. Again, just like really interesting to think about. Yeah, absolutely. I it it, it, it always comes across like when I least expect it, of like, oh right, Cash is into Common Rider too, and <laughs> real real ECL heads will know. The people who've been on the Patreon since the very beginning, like I used a couple of. We used to do an old series where I would just talk about what I'm watching, and uh, there was a time when a friend that I was working with got me into Common Rider, so I would talk about the different series that I was going through, and it's always nice to find like another another fan in the wild. But uh, this could turn into a Common Rider podcast, so I'll just uh, pivot <laughs> slightly and say that we're also meeting after Arthur has ended. The official television run of Arthur has ended, and I just wanted to know, uh, since... Last time we talked, it was about the Arthur digital tunes, and that they're going to have more of those going forward. Um, how how did you how did you feel when you know Arthur aired its final episode, and we had a lot of people um, giving their feelings about it? How did how does that how does that feel to you? Um, man, it's definitely like incredibly surreal. Honestly, you know, like something that has been going on. Um, a bit longer than I've been around. I think Arthur started in like '96, right? '96. I was six years old. Yeah, that's exactly how old my my brother is, and like I associate the mm. show with him uh, so much. Honestly, like most of my mm-hmm. childhood um, was watching with him, and then like even when um, I wasn't able to like see him as much anymore because he moved uh, to keep things simple. Um, I was always around. Um, like other younger family members so i always wanted to like keep that flame lit and of course like you know especially in high school there were just like weekends where i just like binged a couple seasons on youtube so like that that flame never really went away but it's also like incredibly surreal that like it's inevitable like something like mm-hmm. that would end uh but at the same time you never really like thought that it would happen but i feel like it ended the best way it could have. Like I, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I feel like in its own way, uh, getting Arthur's like very first voice actor uh, to reprise his role as adult Arthur, that yeah. was my no way home. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's I to- I totally know what you mean. And that was the kind of thing when we were watching it for the first time, like all of us in the Discord, and I was just like. You know, I'm, I can't be certain because, of course, he sounds completely different as an adult. But I'm just like, what if they got Michael Yarmish and yeah. then somebody slowed it down, da- slowed down the credits, and it was just like Michael Yarmish? And I'm like, that's it, man. Like, that's such a great note. Um, so yeah, I'm really glad to have you here to talk about. Well, we're going going back a little bit of a ways. Mm-hmm. This particular episode. So you mentioned that uh, starting starting in Arthur. You know, as I said, I've kind of been there since the beginning yeah so is your brother but this one would have aired in like october 2010 and usually at the start of seasons lucas and i we kind of say like where we were so october 2010 um i was i was um i had just turned 20 years old so hadn't even been thinking of arthur definitely not thinking of arthur i'm like into my third year of university Mm -hmm. and just like 
haven't left animation or cartoons behind, but thinking about other things and probably don't even like watch TV all that much. And the TV itself was changing. Right. October 2010. Where were you with Arthur and just in life? Um, October 2010. I was I think around that time I was just starting uh, sixth grade, actually. And mm. that was always like a weird uh, transitional period. Uh, if I recall correctly, um, that was ironically around the time that my brother like left home. So, you know, that was like a mm-hmm. transitional period. Um, but I was still watching uh, PBS because it was just like habitual for me at this point. And totally. Since, and since I had younger cousins, uh, you know, like, like it or not, I was going to be, it was going to be <laughs> on TV. But I feel like, I feel like that era for me was also rough transitional period because it's like, Everyone's like in a rush to grow up. And when you have stuff that you like you hold close to you, but it changes in quality, it's like, am I getting older or is the quality decreasing? I never felt that right. way with Arthur, but I I did feel that way with Power Rangers. I will say that. <laughs> yes. Uh you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I was actually thinking that when I was watching Arthur the first time through, I actually just put this episode up on our on our YouTube channel, mm-hmm. Elton City Limits on YouTube. Um, it is the that's a baby show episode, yeah. which is in like season four ish, I want to say, or maybe end of season three. Mm-hmm. That that was like came at just the right time where it's like I also that would have come out when I was like ten years old, so I was also like I was watching Arthur. Also watching like Teletubbies and just like I would literally like I would tell my friends like I'm watching Teletubbies and they would literally say to me like that show is for babies yeah. and <laughs> then as you like as you would you know the next couple of years like people will look at you weird if you're still watching Power Rangers and yes I agree mm-hmm. I also have like a very specific point in which I stopped watching Power Rangers and that was right around the time where I was just like eh. It was both maybe, am I getting a little too old for this? And then also, I actually think I, I think I left like right, like as it was still good. Like I, mm-hmm. I left in the, I, I left at Wild Force, which I've heard is really good. Oh, oh, wow. I know, right? Yeah. And like if I had stayed, like if I had stayed for one more season, then I would have been at like Ninja Storm. And then I, and then I feel like I could have just left. And yeah. nobody would, nobody would have batted an eye, you know? And see, that's the, that's the thing. That's honestly what I really enjoy um, you know, just like talking about these interests of like people who have like different backgrounds, different generational backgrounds. Because mm-hmm. to me, um, I grew up with like a lot of the, you know, like the older Saban stuff and reruns anyway. And I think when yeah. I was like really young, uh, like the first thing was like I was born around Time Force, Wild Force. But for me, oh my god, yeah, oops, <laughs> that's when I stopped. <laughs> oh. But for me, like, the whole Disney era, I think, like, Sans, like, Mystic Force and Overdrive was fine. Right. It was just, like, the hugest quality drop between RPM and Samurai. Like, immediately, right. just, like, am I old? Am I getting old? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> you're just like, is this the TV show's problem or is this my problem? Right. Like, and you're just trying to figure it out of just, like, but... Th- but Power Rangers can't be bad. Power Rangers is awesome. Right. You're starting to you're starting to get those critical faculties. It's like when you discover that like video games can be bad. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, but, yeah. like it's just funny because like I never really 
felt that way with Arvor because I knew exactly what to expect and I still enjoyed it, you know, like even if it's not like high art or anything. I feel sure. like the issue with Power Rangers is that, especially for someone around my age, is that like RPM was like the most ambitious, is probably like at its peak. And yeah. then just like going from that huge of a quality drop to Samurai, it wasn't doing anyone any favors. Right. So uh, again, yeah. I feel like we could keep talking about this, but uh, yeah, probably course. the listeners are trying to strang- strangle me at this point of just like stop talking about <laughs> Sentai. Just like I'm sorry, I could. I know we both could. Anyway, we'll have to do that another time. Of course, we're talking. We're talking about the season 14 premiere, and the first half of this episode of Arthur is the wheel deal. Um, first, first of all, this, this is kind of, have you, have you seen this episode before? Uh, yes, I did see it when it broadcast and honestly, oh. um, this is, I guess it's gonna put me like in the Arthur, uh, pantheon or whatever, but I remember, um, just why the character of Lady Vox is so significant because I remember correctly, mm. there was like a contest, uh, yes. on the PBS Kids website where you actually got to like design like your own character um, yes so i'm gonna get i'm gonna get into that and i have a, I have a big question for you i'm just gonna put a pin in that but i'm mm-hmm. glad you brought that up because that is a big part of this episode mm-hmm. so the idea when we get started is that the brain is in the elwood city baskets for charity competition he's facing sam slam dunk scarborough uh, which I believe is a reference to Arthur writer Ken Scarborough. And uh, Brain, <laughs> Brain is raising money for the Elwood City Library. And we get this kind of like, it's like a, it's like a, um, what, do you, what, do you, what do you call it? Oh my God. I'm such a nerd. I don't know. It's it's just like Buster is on camera and he has like the microphone. It's like a sports interview or something, except right. he has a banana as a microphone. <laughs> I feel I feel like if you have a if you have a nickname going into like a, a dunk a dunk competition or a baskets competition, uh if you're facing that guy, you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he's got a reputation. He's got like a, a zinger, you know? And it's and it's alliterative too. Sam Slam Dunk Scarborough. It really works. Right. Like, Alan's just the brain, and it's just like, oh, yeah, he can probably shoot baskets, you know? (laughs) So what happens is that brain uh, ends up suffering an injury. Buster ends up eating his microphone and then tosses – he means to toss it into the garbage, but he accidentally leaves the banana peel. Brain literally slips on a banana peel. Yeah. And (laughs) and the the great animation tradition continues, right? Yeah. Like, I'm glad it was, like, taken seriously, and I was like – it was an accident, but just like watching it now, it's like no way they did not. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? As I was watching it, like it totally didn't register. Now that I say it out loud, like with my mouth, I'm just like, it's tripped on a banana. Wait, wait a second. Hey, wait a second. Here, I feel like somebody pulled something over on me. Yeah. So Brain suffers a sprained ankle and a torn knee ligament. So he has to use a wheelchair for a week as well as doing physical therapy. It seems like at this point the the um, baskets competition is lost. And Buster bemoans the fact that Mighty Mountain are donating their – will be uh, playing for the charity Save the Elwood City Squirrels, to which Buster says, what a waste. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it was just me, but when, when Buster said that line, I immediately – I got flashbacks to that to that episode when they were like uh, traumatized for no the birds. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, and, they, and there's actually like I think there's a little bit of a callback to that. Like Buster looks outside and he sees a squirrel after he says "what a waste" and he just goes like, Ugh, "Yeah, sorry." <laughs> and I, yeah, like the episode "The Squirrels," which 
it's not necessarily like the only thing memorable about that episode is when you see a squirrel in Arthur, you're like, oh, yeah, weren't they? Wasn't it that movie? Yeah. But yeah, I'm glad you caught that, too. <laughs> so, yeah, this is where Lydia comes into the story. So Lydia is a young basketball player who is also who also uses a wheelchair. So the information behind this is, is that Lydia is, of course, a character we've never seen before. It was a character created for a contest in 2009 called the All Kids Can Character Search. It was for ages 6 to 12, and it encouraged kids to create an Arthur character with a disability, with the idea of having different narratives in the show. Like, one of the producers said they actively wanted to seek out more, like, narratives around uh, kids with disabilities, which is nice. It's also a little weird that they outsourced it to fans, but at the same time, like... Like it's, I feel two ways about this. By the way, Lydia was created by an 11 year old at the time named Connor Gordon mm-hmm. from Minnesota. Like, I feel two ways about it. It's like, I think that this comes from a good place, but I also have a weird relationship, especially nowadays, with these. Like, I think it's, it's, it's different now. I think of those like video games that are like, um, that outsource like volunteer art from its fans. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there are those initiatives where they're like it's I forget I forget which video game it was but it was like a it might have been for like cyberpunk or maybe something else where they were like hey are you an artist design something for us and we might put it in the game and it's yeah. like and I but know why like don't you pay them to do that you yeah know? exactly like celebrities like always like hold those like contests all the time like t-shirt designs like some for a music mm-hmm. video and then that's when you know, a lot of like art Twitter is like you know why don't like pay me wait i think like Shaq yeah. <laughs> got into like a thing that whole like cartoon thing dude was trying to pitch or whatever that like everyone had like a chance uh to actually profit from it like okay oh man like the, the fact that i'm saying this out loud just sounds like um, sounds like a bit honestly but i i assure <laughs> you i assure you but and and so but it's because it's because it's Arthur and because it's like these creators I have a little bit more faith that like they were trying to engage in like a good faith show of like literally like instead of having the writers create something that they don't know about why don't we have kids who might know a little bit more uh like create this character right so that I, I so I think it comes from a little bit of a better place I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt given like their reputation it just there's a little bit of that that I'm like, mm, a little unsure about. Uh, so Connor Gordon, his original backstory for Lydia is that she was injured in an accident at age seven and is now in a wheelchair mm-hmm. and that she was also 10 years old. The writers changed that around. So the parameters of the contest is that they basically kept the design. They obviously changed it for their in-house style, but they changed it so that Lydia has a she was she was born with the disability and they changed her name from Lydia Fox to Lydia. She's Lydia Gordon in this episode, but she's going to appear later in seasons 18 and 19. And there she goes back to Lydia Fox. Mm-hmm. So here I, I, I'm not really sure why I think I mean, I guess to honor Connor Gordon, the person who created her. Yeah. But um, yeah. And then they changed it back to Lydia Fox, maybe just to distance her from the fact that she is like a. The result of a of a contest, which I'm glad to see. I'm glad to know that they use her again because these types of contests are also just like, you know, you either totally steal this like this kid's intellectual property and give him nothing, or they're never seen again. You know? Yeah. I think was that I I, I miss I might be misremembering this. I think like 
Carnage from Spider-Man was something like that, where they, like, it was like a fan submission about, like, the idea for Carnage, and then they just went with it and never paid the fan any, like, real royalties about it. Odd. Oh, that, yeah, that sucks. Like, 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 re, like a little scummy, you know? Like, yeah. I don't think, I don't, I wouldn't classify this as scummy, but when you get into that sort of territory, especially when, you know, Carnage is incredibly popular and Lydia is in like three episodes of a children's public television show. Yeah. I, you know, we're not exactly talking about royalties that could be made here. Right. So it's at least in a little bit of a better faith. Yeah. But but right away, Lydia is shown to be not only good at basketball, but she's also very intelligent and she's a talented illustrator. Like they really they really they really big her up on this. Um, <laughs> OK, so before I forget, did you enter this contest uh, when I was younger? Yes, I remember. Oh, yes. <laughs> OK, tell me. Tell me about it. Oh man! Uh, I really if you can, I, I know it's been a long time. Ago. Yeah, I know. Obviously, I don't have the original drawing anymore. It was on my oh, mom's old be... Windows XP laptop. <laughs> uh, but um, like, I don't really have much to say. It's kind of embarrassing because it was obviously like a. It was obviously just like a, a character heavily based on myself. Um, mm-hmm. But. Um, like obviously, like no, we have like Buster, and no, I'm glad because like my my most pronounced trait, at least like at the time, uh, was the fact that I had asthma, and like I like okay. the fact that Buster's breathless. You no, know, obviously, you know, like focused on that. Uh, but even now, I don't really know like many cartoon characters that you know like had stuff like that. You know, like even um, even when Binky had his peanut allergy problem for an episode, that I don't think it was that much of a focal point like afterwards so i don't know like these are like traits like define me so that's why i want to like put them in the character and mm. then i just uh started like going all gary sue by giving him like a skateboard and like and they goggles <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god that is exactly the kind of gary stew i was making like 10 <laughs> years before you oh because man. i because i loved digimon and i loved skateboards mm-hmm. so of course like my oc had like a jet skateboard and he had uh <sighs> goggles like tie from digimon so that's so funny how that endured over time oh my god there's probably kids making drawings today with goggles and skateboards. God, I hope. <laughs> I, yes, I hope so, too. We got to keep that flame lit. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of animation things here. First of all, uh, Lydia is on a, a basketball team called the Wheel Warriors, which this, this, is a real, this is a real old reference. It's not even really mine to make. I just know the, the intro. There's an old 80s cartoon called Jace and the Wheeled Warriors, which made me think of it it has a really righteous theme song so check check that out jason the wheeled warriors the animation since i like i know that you're more of a character designer but i noticed that whenever they would show lydia especially moving around on the basketball court the animation on her movements was really fluid and i thought i found it very striking yeah yeah very much like i i honestly respect that like I feel like people don't really talk much about, like, Arthur as a show when it comes to, like, its animation art direction. Well, of course, there's all the discourse of how everyone suddenly remembered the show existed just to say, no, nah, Flash animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, even then, like, the art direction was consistent and, you know, those hand-painted backgrounds were, you know... I, I don't know if there's, like, as, like, deep discourse 
as like in other fields of animation where it's like you know the move to digital was like poo pooed upon. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I honestly like episodes that look like this are my bread and butter, and I think it's all consistent. Just the fact that everything looks consistent and, you know, it just moves in a real way, you know. It's not like a fantastical cartoon or whatever. It's very down to earth and it's just like how, like, real kids would move on, like, accessories like a wheelchair or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I, I really do respect that more and more. From a character design perspective, what do you make of Lydia? For those who who haven't seen the episode, she has, like, a sort of magenta hair. She's a, she's a smaller young probably seven uh eight-year-old girl she has like triangular glasses and she wears um like she has like floral knee-length skirts she has a shirt that looks like dw has it has like a flower petal on it what do you think of her character design i feel like honestly i like the usage of like different shapes honestly um okay. the um the fact that she has like her ears and her pointed nose um contrasts a lot with um, her glasses, which are more rectangular and don't have like the whites of like, say like Arthur's glasses. So that's what makes her like stand out in that department. Mm -hmm. Um, but if we're also taking like her, her wheelchair, uh, into account, which I do, um, you know, her wheelchair, at least like in this episode, like has like the, the rounded, like purple parts you know on addition of like the wheels being like circled so that sticks out as well and mm -hmm. i feel like um in the image that i'm looking at at least on the wiki um i feel like the fact that we have like darker shades of red with like her hair um her glasses and like the shirt but then like her fur and the other parts of the shirt are like more into yellow again like complementary colors so it it does work well i i feel like they did, like, a great job of still keeping, like, the spirit of Karen's original drawing, um, but adapting it into the sensibilities of the show. So she really does um, feel like a character that already exists in this universe. And I feel like writing-wise, they also treat her like that as well. I, I wasn't, mm -hmm. like, taken out of, you know, the Arthur extended universe or whatever. Like, I, I didn't... Like, I wasn't taken out, like, remembering, oh, yeah, this was a character from a contest. It's like, oh, no, this is, like, just a character. And I really like that. I think they did pretty well. I think at times she's a little too awesome at everything. Yeah. But it's also, like, if at the time they weren't intending to use her again, I don't really, yeah, it's 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 totally, totally fine. Yeah. It also reminds me, there's another, there's another character with glasses uh, who's in a wheelchair on another animated show. Mm -hmm. that I think you and I both uh, appreciate, I think. Wait. Wait. Can, can you give me a hint? I, I yeah, know yeah, I'm yeah. going to feel um, stupid. But. Well, it's... Well, I, I can just tell you. Uh, yeah. uh, Mel Melody from Sticking Around. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, this just came to me now. Like, I, it's like it totally didn't occur to me until we're just talking about it. Of like, oh, yeah, she has glasses and is in a wheelchair. Oh, hey, wait a second. So, yeah, Lydia is shown to be very good at, you know, good at basketball. She is brains equal in terms of, like, intelligence, and it actually flusters brain a bit. He's He says at one point, I'd, yeah, I'd love to hoot some shoops. <laughs> it's really caught me funny. Yeah. Um, Lydia is training brain to play basketball in a wheelchair because, of course, he's used to using his legs, and it takes a lot more uh, arm power, and she uses, like, equations and physics to teach him like the best way to uh maximize maximize his situation to play uh basketball at the level that he was before 
Yeah, I will say, uh, like, when I was watching this episode, like, earlier today, I definitely felt like a kid again, because I did not understand physics back then, and I did not, I don't understand it now, and I'm a college graduate. Like, you man. are, you are speaking, you are preaching to the choir. It's just like, <laughs> I'm gonna, it's like watching Futurama, it's just like, I'm gonna assume you're right, and I'm not gonna check. Right. I'm just gonna assume you're really smart. And I'm also sorry, like, again, like, tying back to the point of, like, Lee being, like, a bit too awesome, like... I I can respect, and I I think it's entirely realistic that kids, especially nowadays, could be that good at drawing. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like, man, like, <laughs> you're put you're pushing it a little bit here. Yeah, right? like that's that's why I wish she stuck around. I'd love to see her character a bit more fleshed out. In fact, I took a note here of like, can we trade brain for Lydia? Because <laughs> Lucas and I are not exactly big fans of uh, the brain at this point. But ah. um, another another thing that Lydia another reason or not a reason but another thing that Lydia adds to this episode is that she highlights a couple of instances in which um the world is not wheelchair accessible like they go to a certain curb and they have trouble getting down from it because it is rather steep and then brain finds out that his mom's ice cream shop is not wheelchair accessible Lydia can't fit her chair in there so you know it's it's a couple of instances it doesn't really I don't know if it really continues much like we get a little bit at the end but it is like a little bit of inclusion of like, since we have a character in a wheelchair, let's talk about uh, wheelchair accessibility and why it's important. So they don't beat you over the head with it, but I think they include it in a nice way that allows kids to pick up on it without, you know, necessarily like bullhorning it in their ear. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's another aspect of the episode that I can respect more um, as an adult, a quote unquote. Um, when, <laughs> when I was in college, um, one of my friends, um, he he got around with crutches, and I did know a couple classmates that also use wheelchairs, and it was really my first real exposure um to people like that. And obviously, like uh, we we got along just fine because like no, you don't define person based on disabilities, but mm. it was definitely something outside my comfort zone because like I hadn't had exposure uh to people who need like a bit more assistance uh before, and I ended up like taking for granted. Um, just how much, um, oh, just like how much like basic mobility is kind of like catered towards me. Like my college, um, a lot, we had two buildings and there were a lot of stairs. Um, but thankfully that the entrances, uh, and the elevator were a uh, wheelchair accessible and they were just incredibly slow, which helped nobody. Um, so, you know, better than nothing, of course, but it definitely like reminded that, you know, we should, you know, like, we should, like, just keep in mind that, you know, like, people's lives, like, are different, and, you know, obviously, like, a lot of these buildings and stuff um, could do a lot better in terms of, like, accommodating mm. for people, um, but I, I, I would want to think that we are, like, a bit better in that regard, at least where I am, uh, as compared to, like, the early 2010s. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. It's, it's a nice low stakes way to put this sort of character and these sorts of situations into a show like Arthur, which since the beginning has been all about showing different ways of life Mm -hmm. for kids. Um, Brain ends up having a nightmare about where he, not only he fails the competition, but he fails it spectacularly. He's beaten by a kid who is like eight feet tall. Like you can't even see his head in the shot. (laughs) And because, because of how much he, how hard he failed, 
Like, the library not only doesn't get the money, but it is also torn down. Like, it is bulldozed. And that's, that's like, the worst-case scenario. My favorite thing about this whole thing was that when they have the giant kid, like, outshining brain in the competition, they do, like, a little parody of the Harlem Globetrotters theme. Like, they do the little the little whistle theme, and I was, like, getting into it a little bit because I like the Harlem Globetrotters theme. And I was yeah. like, that's cute. They did their own little spit on it. <laughs> yeah, that was, like, one of the last things I expect to be referenced. I, I always like appreciate this show for just like you know, um when we hear cartoons like having like references that only adults would get, like they always like you no, know, people always just like default like some BuzzFeed lists of just like no anime X fingerprints, you know, like type jokes like that. But Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean yeah, like, those are funny, don't get me wrong, but you know, uh adult humor doesn't necessarily have to be immature, even just like in your face. It's just like Oh yeah, I definitely would not have gotten that um when I was like 12. <laughs> but still no funny, way. you know. Yeah, and the Harlem Globetrotters are sort of timeless. Like they're still around and they've been yeah. around for a long time. So, and they definitely didn't have to do that kind of reference, but they did, and it made it a little bit more memorable. Speaking of memorable, so the they they go to the competition. Brain is having a little bit of trouble. Uh, so it's him versus this mighty mountain kid, the Scarborough kid one of the weirder line readings in a while in Arthur. And I just wanted to see if you caught this. So Mm -hmm. the mighty mountain kid, he shoots like 26 or 27 or something. And like just narrowly beats brain. He hands him the ball and he just goes, beat that. (laughs) (laughs) Like he, like he kind of like because Adam, like, I don't know. Like it's like, you go back and listen to it. I don't know what they were going for. Like, I think he was maybe trying to like be dismissive and be like, like just like ah, or like whatever, but he's literally just like beat that. Oh, <laughs> like he starts choking or something. Uh, intimidation tactic, I guess. Maybe, <laughs> but like if if he had gone the extra mile and done like the chicken arms, then I would be like, oh, I see what he's doing. But it literally just sounds like they left in like the wrong take or something, where the voice actor like ch- like choked on their water or something. <laughs> It really, really put me for a loop. So it ends up that Brain is, like, Brain's still having trouble with, you know, wheelchair basketball. So Lydia subs out for him and wins the competition. This can't be legal. Like, they can't just do that. Like, she takes the, she takes the, the patch off of Brain and puts it on herself. I'm just like, like... Do, do they not have rules protecting this? Like, come on! This, surely this has been tried before. Anyway, like I know it's yeah, you know, it's to get us to the happy ending. But I was just like, what is happening here? It's like, oh yeah, you could just tag in a better player. Yeah, great. Like, in, <laughs> not and not not even at the beginning. It would have been something if Lydia had like just gone the whole thing. No, at the very end when like Brain's losing, she's just like, okay. It's like if Bra- so if Brain was doing this without the wheelchair, and then I don't know, like Hakeem Olajuwon just like tags in and then just completely dunks on this child. Like, would that have worked? <laughs> would he have been allowed to do that? <laughs> Honestly, this is just. It's just like giving me flashbacks to a personal experience. Uh, quite, oh. Yeah, quite recently, uh, my uncle had, um, like, they were basically telecasting uh, one of my uh, previously discussed younger cousins' um, first basketball games. Um, and normally, I don't really watch basketball, but I still wanted to, like, watch, you know, to, you know, to, to support my family. Sure. Um, but 
God, her team got creamed, and I, for the first <laughs> time, got visibly like caught up. It was like, what the heck? Like, this shot shouldn't been legal. Like, come on. Oh yeah. <laughs> the magic of sports. Like, I think we've all had it happen one time or another. And I'm like, I'm not a sports fan myself, but I've certainly been to a hockey game and been like, like, why don't you just take it from him? Or just like, you know, just <laughs> completely backseat coaching. Yeah, that's that's funny though. Yeah. Um. So, and it eventually ends up that. You know, El- uh, Lakewood Elementary wins. They give the money to the library. Brain makes a new friend in Lydia. And Brain's mom makes her ice cream shop more wheelchair accessible by adding a wider door. So that's uh, that's how we end up with that one. It's a, it pretty pretty simple, but, you know, you don't have to get too fancy with this type of story. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like it ends, like, perfectly fine, honestly. All right. Before we get into the second story, and now, a word from us kids. So this one was all about a little girl named Caitlin, and it's really just she's a little girl in a wheelchair. She has a twin sister. They do homework together. They go to the beach, and they eat pizza, and it's all just showcasing the life of a little girl who might be your age, Arthur Viewer, who is able to – she gets around with a wheelchair. She also gets around with a walker, and she lives life to the fullest. I don't have much to say about this other than she is just adorable. I thought this was the cutest thing ever. Yeah, and honestly – Again, like I was like saying earlier, um, how, um, well, obviously I've always like been around like individuals who like have disabilities. When it comes to physical disabilities, I hadn't been around people like that, um, until I got to college. But I feel like stuff like segments like this, uh, really do like a whole lot. Not just like Arthur in general's mission statement of just like, um talking about like stories of people's different perspectives like people different backgrounds but actually showing that these types of people like exist in real life you know it helps expose like people at a young age and you know again just like both is that like innate desire to be empathetic and understanding to people so that way you know like if like a young kid like sees that like at a young age you'll be like oh hey they're, they're just like me you know like just stream just like me because that's that's really what we all want in life anyway you know yeah and turning around the narrative that like people with disabilities are like miserable or sad or wish that they weren't or just like no she's a very happy and cheerful little lady and she's just she seems to have she seems to have a really great life and she also uses a wheelchair and those don't have to be uh mutually exclusive am i using mutually exclusive right i always forget if i am but yeah no i i would definitely recommend uh if you watch this episode seek out the word from us kids it's very cute absolutely all right, we're going to get into the second half of our episode right after this. Hey, everybody, it's Lucas from the Elwood City Limits podcast. And if you love ECL, there's a couple of ways to keep up with us. You could go to facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits at ECL podcast. That's our Twitter. We take questions on Tumblr. It's elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. There is an Instagram as well, Elwood City Limits on Instagram. Of course, if you want to donate to the show and get exclusive content, whether that's our full-length commentary of the Arthur movies, our brand new 
new uh, bi-weekly PBS Kids review show, as well as our video game movie reviews with the Sonic movie review and Pikachu movie review. You can check out patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Uh, and that's also going to get you access to the Elwood City Limits Discord, which me and Will like to post it from time to time. And if you want that sweet, sweet Elwood City Limits merch, check out teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store. You can listen to the podcast at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and there's other podcast apps like Stitcher. And if we're not on your favorite app, let us know. And where can you let us know? Well, that's going to be at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. That's also where you can send us a question and we'll read it on the show. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is to tell a friend who likes animation or Arthur or just podcasts in general and to go to our iTunes page and rate us out of five stars. Apparently, that helps podcasts out. Bye, everybody. And we're back with the Buster Report. Now, it doesn't start with Buster this time. It starts with Arthur. He's talking about the most important people in history, such as Herodotus, which is not a name I expected Arthur to say, who is a famed Greek historian who... Now, I don't know anything about Herodotus. I'm not like, and I, I didn't really do much research on the guy, but one of <laughs> one of the earliest historians, a famed Greek historian, who I I don't want to say was the first person to think of like studying and exploring history, but is one of the most well known, one of the first. You know, I'll just not the first, but one of the first is what I will commit to saying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did not expect that. I did not expect that name to be casually dropped either. I can definitely say, um, if there were like ever like a Greek mythology uh, chords in sixth grade, I definitely probably yeah. That, that's sort of name that you would get extra credit for just like name dropping. But yeah, you know? <laughs> especially at eight years old. Are you kidding me? I don't even think I could say Herodotus when I was eight years old. Yeah, rapper's education knows no bounds. <laughs> yeah, he's really doing them a solid going mm. forward in life. So the idea behind this episode is that Ratburn's class has to do a report on someone they admire, and everybody has their own ideas. For for example, like um, Binky's going to do his on Mr. Ratburn. Fr- uh, Francine is doing hers on this. This is such a strange way which they worded this. She says, "I'm doing a fireman, but she's not a man. She's a lady," and it's supposed to be like, "Ooh," and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, okay." <laughs> Just the way they set it up, just like, get this, a fireman, but lady, oh, you know, like, okay, like, great, there's a lot of them, which one? Yeah, the one, (laughs) the one firewoman in Elwood City. (laughs) It reminds me of that, uh, one, one Simpsons cutaway where it just, like, Lisa's like, oh, yeah, like, a girl could play football, too, and Ned is like, oh, yeah, that's great, we already have a couple girls here, and it's like, Oh, it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. I know which I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and George decides to do his report on Buster, who is very he's you know he bigs him up. He's like he's funny, 
he's you know a, a good guy and i'm gonna do my report on buster it's very it's very a very cute thing for george to do and very unexpected from buster so and buster doesn't know who he's gonna do his report on so he's kind of got two things going on for him here right we see we uh, buster leads george around in doing some research like he shows him some of his favorite comics one of his favorite toys he takes him to the sugar bowl and shows him that buster has his own sandwich called the buster yeah and but but also Buster's getting a little um, not anxious, but self-conscious because, you know, Francine tells a story about how the uh, the fire person, as they say in the episode, <laughs> saved and saved animals from a pet store fire. Uh, a lot of cute animals, there, kittens and like a and like a hamster. And then apparently Sue Ellen's karate teacher, who she's interviewing, stopped a robbery with a mop at a bank. So, and Buster's getting a little self-conscious, like, he hasn't done anything that cool. <laughs> so the main thing that he decides to zero in, he talks about it with Arthur, he wants to look funny in front of George, uh, because that's what he's known for, is being funny. So he tries to, he really overthinks it. So what he yeah. what he tries to do is he wants to set up Binky, he wants to give Binky a setup so that he can set Buster up for a punchline. It's like, what do sea monsters eat? Fish and ships. So, <laughs> which... He immediately runs into some some problem with Binky because he's like, okay, all I need you to do is ask me this question. And Binky's like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think so. And Buster's like, why? And Binky says, I don't want to sound like I don't know about sea monsters. Why would I ask you? <laughs> uh, that that whole sequence, uh, you know, like I just found it funny on multiple levels. I mean, like, Remember that I want my mummy incident? <laughs> yes, of course. The, like, I'm surprised Buster trusted him with a punchline. And Binky, again, drops the ball later on. Uh, but he decides that he will help Buster, not for a brownie, because Binky's trying to cut down on the sugars, which I appreciate. Yeah. Uh, but for, do you, get a, do you get a look at Buster's bologna sandwich that, that Binky takes here? We're not talking about, like, two slices of Wonder Bread and, like, bologna. We're talking about, like... Like a like a croissant, not a croissant. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, a baguette. <laughs> it's like a baguette, lettuce. It's like a BLT with bologna. Literally, like that's like a pretty decent sandwich, all things considered. Like I'd pay for that sandwich. It looks class. It's great. Right? Yeah, like very, very well constructed. <laughs> a good one of those good cartoon sandwiches that looks better than real life. Right. Like, that's something that I would rather see, like, on Twitter uh, whenever those, like, topical, oh, my God, cartoon food looks so good. Both start trending to, like, the, the Ghibli food and yeah. uh, the, the pizza from uh, a goofy movie. You know, like, all all, <laughs> all that stuff. Cartoon steaks, cartoon turkeys. Oh, yeah, they all, they all look better. I always liked uh, – my favorite was in the Paddington cartoon that was in the 90s. He ate marmalade, and it looked like cheese whiz to me. So every time I watched that show, I'd get hungry for cheese whiz. <laughs> and then I had marmalade, and I was like, this doesn't taste like cheese whiz at all. This sucks. <laughs> uh, Still don't like marmalade. <laughs> it's the one thing I can't relate to in Paddington. Eventually, uh, Binky does go to set up Buster for this and kind of bungles it, but... The real, like the real headline here is that so Binky's doing research on Mr. Ratburn, and this actually filled in a part of like I wouldn't say this is an Arthur meme alert, but I have seen definitely fan art of this in the time that we've been on Tumblr. 
And that's of Mr. Ratburn apparently used to be in a rock band called the Ratburn Rats. <laughs> and we see like a photo of what he looked like. And based on the music video that we see later, he was like in an 80s mod rock band, I think. Yep. <laughs> He's got the he's got the swoop like it's like a three piece band. He is like lead guitar and singer. He's also got like a drummer and I think either another guitarist or a keyboard player. I don't remember which, but it's a three piece band. This is this is nuts. Like this was so wild looking at young Mr. Ratburn, who was a rock star. And he had like all this full head of hippie hair. Oh my gosh! No, it's just that like with a lot of like animation discussion, we always go on about like the, the Gravity Falls, Adventure Time, Steve Universe. When it comes to like how deep and how intricate their characters are, this is like one of the last things that I expected from Mr. Rapper, and mm-hmm. it's not even out of character, honestly. Because like, especially when we're younger, we just think that teachers are just that teachers. We don't think that they have like lies like outside of that or even before that so mm-hmm. yeah this is like honestly realistic obviously like uh none of my teachers were um ever that cool but you know that's that's magic animation you know what i mean <laughs> like we already know that for a lot of the series mr ratburn is a lifelong bachelor um he has in- he he has interests of his own like he create he creates puppets uh he he does like educational pursuits, but he also likes cartoons. And now it's just like, yeah, and he used to be in a rock band. It's just this this fuller picture keeps getting filled out as we go along, especially doing this through Elwood City Limits of like this character of Mr. Ratburn. And, you know, he doesn't exactly look back fondly on the Ratburn rats, but it is really it's just such a such a cool detail. Again, they didn't have to do this. Yeah, but they did. And I'm really I really am glad that they did. Especially that, especially young Mr. Ratburn. You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Buster's afraid that George is going to like totally misrepresent him in this report. He has like a little, he has an imagination that he's going to bring up the fact that um, George earlier George uh, went to visit Buster, but Buster wasn't home and he was like busy getting like, you know, like joke shop supplies. He gets like those those eyeball glasses and like all this kind of stuff. And he talks to George talks with Bitsy and gets a few of uh, photos of Buster and some information about what he was like as a young, young child. And so he, Buster's afraid that like George is going to tell them that he used to have a blanket named Blanky Poo and that everybody's going to laugh at him. So Buster decides to write George's report on himself for him. <laughs> and we get a great, we get a great, this is a great thing we haven't seen before is tired Buster. Like it's, it's very simple. Like they just basically put lines under his, around his eyes to make him just look haggard. But it really sold to me of, especially along with the vocal performance of just like Buster having been up all night doing this report. And he's like reading it for George. And he's so harried. It's, it's really funny. Yeah, that was definitely me in high school. I can tell you that much. Uh, but pulled but, a lot of all-nighters on on reports. Oh, absolutely. And I was in a I was in AP U.S. History, so I had to be in school like an hour uh, before everyone else was. Um, Ouch. Yeah it it directly caused me to not get a photo of They Might Be Giants uh, when I saw them in concert for the first time. So. Aww. <laughs> That sucks. Yeah. And then uh, I had a friend who was uh, one year junior from me. Uh, so when he got to that point, he was like, oh, uh, we don't do that anymore. So I was like, 
Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, it's they all. That's these these kids. They have it. Uh, they have it easy, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> it does, and it only gets more true the older you get. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Buster's incredibly tired. He b- puts together the support that basically is, it takes elements from other people's stories and then just completely makes stuff up. Like in the report, Buster stops a robbery at a pet store, which is just combining Francine and Sue Ellen's things. He gets on like a pogo stick and goes to like outrun the robbers in their car. And then like, I think he goes ultra instinct here. <laughs> Like, Buster has, like, apparently he has these, like, unspoken of superpowers, and he, like, climbs up a building face and uses, like, um, a window washer's um, scaffold to make it – it's this really circuitous thing where it's, like, he uses a window washer scaffold and he use, swings on a rope and cr- makes it so that he can press the cross-the-street button, which makes the car stop, and then a local policeman arrests them. And all the while, Buster has this, like, white um, aura around him. And so it's, like, I think it was their interpretation of, like, you know, this is – like, he has this, like, innate superpower. And I I was almost like, this is, like, Super Saiyan. But then I was like, like I'm not – I stopped. I stopped. I, I'm not a huge – Dragon Ball fan. I, I I like DBZ a lot, but I have yeah. not watched much of Dragon Ball Super. But I'm vaguely aware of what Ultra Instinct is. It's like, it, it, and that's just kind of what it reminded me of. Am I off base there? No, no, no. You are not off base at all. And I I speak as someone who was literally uh, playing Dragon Ball Fighters a day and a half ago. <laughs> so oh, thank God. It's like you know more about this than I do. <laughs> and I remember. Uh, I remember. I think. I think it was like in that phase between the high school and college when uh, that Ultra Instinct meme was, like, really going off. So, like, when I saw the white aura, I was like, no f***ing way. They did not. <laughs> like, that's coincidence. And then there's, like, you, you, you gotta be kidding. <laughs> I mean, I'm, like, I will give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't think that uh, Akira Toriyama stole anything from this season 14 episode of Arthur it's just funny how like you know in not trying to look like super saiyan or just super powered they ended up calling something that would happen like seven or eight years later or whatever it was truly Arthur is my favorite long-running show in anime (laughs) (laughs) I I wish he I wish we could have seen uh, SSJ4 Buster that's how you really stop him as you turn into the great ape So of course George doesn't go doesn't go with this because he's already finished the report and right. the report is not really very embarrassing. He uses a baby picture of Buster, but it's very well received. He talks about how kind Buster is, how charitable he is with his time, such as with the community garden. Um, he plays the two, but it's a little simplistic. But it is just like a, a very very feel good. There was a good uh, touch here. When Buster is, you know, he puts his head in his hands and he's like, this is going to be terrible. Like, just wake me when it's over. And then as George is saying good things about him, like one of his ears like perks up. (laughs) And then as George continues to compliment him, like the other ear perks up. And (laughs) and then and then eventually, like it goes over very well. The, the, The episode basically ends as Buster decides, you know, he didn't actually do his report. Uh, So he decides to do a report on somebody who is really good at seeing the good in everyone else and that's george so paying it forward in a sense yeah yeah it all works out um 
And honestly, like, and pardon me for overanalyzing as I do as a YouTuber. Oh, wink, no, wink. Please, 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 I welcome it. <laughs> but um, just like thinking about this episode's premise, like, it definitely, it definitely makes me think um, about like my relationship uh, as stuff like, you know, as still as like an ordinary person, but um, more as a quote unquote content creator, because like right. we, whether it's like positively or negatively, like we see ourselves in a completely different light than how other people see us, whether it's mm-hmm. like other creators or fans or friends or, you know, even people who we know like in real life, so to speak, you know, and I feel like sometimes you, well, at least for me, sometimes there is like a bit of a disconnect because like I want to make sure that I am, you know, just like being, you know, other people see me in like a good light, but everyone yeah. has their own definition of that. So I feel like the most important thing that what Buster learned is that like he didn't have to uh, make himself artificially look a certain way in order to get people's approval it was when uh, someone just saw him for him there were people like that and that's something that I gotta remember myself Uh, like uh, for better or for worse like I got to the point where I am because like I'm me you know like I I don't really have like a little VTuber son or anything I don't really Mm -hmm. go for exaggerated humor Um, I'm not even like the most polished video editor Uh, but I'm just putting my own spin on things and i feel like everyone uh making content any form online these days like is starting with just that so it really is just about being yourself as hokey as that is it really is an important lesson so it's why it was taught to us so much in cartoons <laughs> i think you're absolutely right and you know i i feel like this is this is definitely something that you can think about for a long time is that your actions through the eyes of others look different and that goes both ways in terms of both good and bad and in this case you know all thankfully all of the kids in arthur are good at heart and they have a lot of good qualities that are relatively easy to see absolutely it, so it all it takes is a fresh set of eyes. I do also want to say, just to make sure that I don't forget about it, so yeah, the Rapper and Rats, a mod rock band, we get a little bit, a sample of their big single, I'm a Sewer Rat. Um, it's it's very simple. It's just it's just Ratburn's voice actor like, I'm a sewer rat, I'm a sewer rat, I'm a sewer <laughs> rat, and it's just it's delightful. I'm a sewer rat, sewer rat, sewer rat, sewer rat, sewer rat. I'm a sewer rat. And Mr. Ratburn, the the shot of him like his head in his hands doing the double Picard, just horrified, just <laughs> just beside himself with embarrassment. It's so funny. <laughs> Uh, during Binky's performance, and Binky was Binky was also very sweet to Mr. Ratburn as well, saying how inspirational he is. So that was that was nice too. Yeah, yeah. Like I I will be honest, um, and and I'm not even gonna like, put myself on a pedestal. Um, if I were doing sort of assignment like that, you know, as someone who was obsessed with grades, I probably would do it as a grade first and foremost. But it seems like mm. Binky actually uh, gained like a new respect for Ratburn, which you know I always like found. Oh my god, like, I always, like, found Biggie's character, um, and the way it developed, like, very admirable, because it's, like, he wasn't just, like, a bully, like, he was, like, multi in his own right, and 
Yeah. You also got the sense that Ratburn like cared for like all of his students, you know, not just like the brainy ones, you know. So yeah, mm-hmm. like it was an unlikely character combination, but something I can definitely appreciate. So now's the time of the episode where we go back and we talk about our feelings on both of the stories that we just looked at in a more broader sense. So, Cash, I'll let you go first. In talking about the wheel deal, what did you think of that one? Um I feel like especially I feel like especially in retrospect, um, the wheel deal um, was definitely my definitely the episode that I liked more. Um, but of course, it's just because of the fact that I have uh, not only like more nostalgia for it as like I entered the contest, but also uh, still more things to think about as an adult where I, you know, am being able to like see more people with disabilities and, you know, like really considering like what their needs are, whether it be like physical as is custom special or other kinds. Like I, I've worked with uh, people with uh intellectual disabilities for a couple of years in volunteer work. Um so I think like I said before, it's also just like very important just like show people, um, not just kids honestly, uh, because sometimes people just don't really have the exposure um when they're younger so being able to just like show people that you know people who may have had like different physical or uh mental upbringings are really not that different from you or me is really important and it helps us connect and like understand about other people's life experiences and i definitely admire the fact that lydia was not just a one-off because like in real life these people aren't just one-offs like i previously discussed um one of yeah. my friends with no, he got around with crutches. He was one of my best friends in college. You know, he he freaking loved Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, he loved fighting games. You know, um, and he's a very hilarious guy in his own right. Like I could compare him to Buster in for simple if we're simplifying people's like archetypes. Um, so honestly, it was really refreshing. Uh, because I don't really think I've seen uh in all my many years of uh, watching cartoons since, I don't really think I've seen um, many characters with, like, more physical disabilities. And, you know, going forward, I would obviously like to see it, like, handled with as much tact and nuance as Arthur does. And, you know, again, just, like, not making them one-offs. I feel like it's, like, a step in the right direction. And, you know, mm-hmm. just, like, the template I would want of other anime properties to follow in the future. I agree with you. I think that this, it's, you know, it's not much in the way of, like, a story, but as a means to introduce this character, or at least to feature this character, I, I say introduce because, yeah, as, as I mentioned before, Lydia does kind of come back. I don't know in what context or, like, how she's used, but to feature a character like this, I think this did a pretty good job. And, you know, I mentioned earlier that it's, like, it's kind of okay, at least to me, that she's amazing at everything because this is most likely I'm guessing the biggest feature that she gets in the show. Mm-hmm. And it is also, she gets to be her own person as well as somebody who helps brain put a situation into, into a context. Um, I of course would always, I would love to hear from any of our listeners who were also uh, affected by this portrayal, whether positively or negatively. Like if you have any criticisms about it or if you feel if they got it right, because I am, able-bodied and so I don't uh, have a lot to say about whether this is like a good representation or not I will just say that I liked her 
Um, I thought this was an interesting problem to put. Like, you know, it's a spin on, oh, brain learns a thing or two from somebody who has a different way of life. But they, you know, add the spin of like the basketball contest, brain literally slipping on a banana peel. Um, (laughs) And then they get to make points about wheelchair accessibility and, you know, they add the creative Arthur spin to it. And I think it's definitely a worthwhile um I don't want to say exercise because that makes it seem like, you know, it's something they should do or something they had to do. Yeah. It's a it's a worthwhile story to tell. So I think that it was not amazing, but I I also think it, they did quite a a pretty a pretty good job with it. A nice way to start off the the season. I I I do think actually this is this is an interesting case with the, with the Buster report. This one is like in my notes, I didn't really copy down a lot of the story because the story itself is not really what makes this. It's every it's the 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 parts are actually greater than the sum than the sum of the episode. Like there's so many funny lines. There's a lot of funny line readings. There's a lot of uh funny or interesting elements where it's like the the overarching story is just like, yeah, George writes a report about Buster and Buster is a little bit insecure about that, but then it turns out okay. Like, not a whole lot happens. But within that 11 minutes, you get, like, references to Greek historians. You get Mr. Ratburn in a band. You get uh, some really great Binky lines, some great Buster lines. Yeah. Just, like, the way that Buster went off the rails was really entertaining. And, yeah, I liked liked this one. I thought this was had a real off-the-wall energy that I feel like sometimes a lot of Arthur episodes can do things a little by the book. So I'm glad that this one went a little off script, so to speak, and uh, went a little went a little nuts. And I'm definitely going to remember this episode at the at the end of the season when we're wrapping things up. What did you, What did you think, Cash? Um, like I like I previously discussed, um, I I feel like the I feel like the over encompassing moral of uh, how one sees himself versus how others sees him, um you know, is what's resonating with me the most. Um, because, like, even, like, putting myself in that context, like, you know, if someone is, like, doing something based on me, like, even as, you know, kid cash and not, like, content creator cash, um, I would um, want to make sure that, you know, I'll be interesting because I've always just seen myself as just an average person. Uh, but it's always that... It's always people... Who are friends who are able to see positive qualities in us that we may take for granted or might not think are as important. So sometimes we really do need that reminder that we can still be extraordinary while being ordinary to to have like a, a cheesy line up for this episode. <laughs> Well, that's uh, the first, the premiere of season 14 in the books. I'll just quickly say that next time on Elwood City Limits, uh, we, of course, hope that Lucas will be back with us again to talk about The Agent of Change and DW Unties the Knot. Always happy to begin a new season. But Cash, now is the time. Um, Where can people find you? I know you have a couple of ongoing projects, so please let people know where they can find you online. Thank you. So, first off, I am on YouTube. Um, if you search Cash Cash, K-A-S-H-C-A-S-H, um, you should be able to find uh, many of my videos, as well as my podcast, The Cash Cast, which is also on Spotify and Anchor. 
Um, I recently put out a video on Clarence, actually, and my most recent uh, podcast episode was with uh, Marley Halpern uh, Grazier, who worked on Thundercast Roar uh, and Aquaman King Volantis, among other things. Um, if you would like to support me um, in terms of art, videos, or podcasts, um, I am also on Coffee. Uh, the link should be in the description. I am currently editing a very extensive, um, it might be the longest video project I've made thus far as a retrospective of Comrade Ryuki. Um, and if you support me, um, you will be able to get previews as they're edited and just like help support me uh, save up for a new hard drive. Uh, any support will be appreciated. And of course, um, I also had my uh, Magical Friendship Squad retrospective, which literally took a year um, while the show wow. was running uh, to fully edit. So um, in case you watch that, anyone who helped out with that, uh, including people like Jera, uh, who is also a, a very talented artist, uh, definitely helped make my icon and edit like a third of the video. Uh, please support them as well. Um, and that will be it for me, honestly. Thank you very much for having me on this episode. Oh, Cass, this was a blast. I'm so glad that you were able to uh, be on the show this week. And I promise it's not going to be two years before before I come uh, talking to you again. Just in general, I think... I think there's some. I think there's something to the fact. I think you and me got to talk uh, Sentai in front of microphones at some point. I think that could be something. But uh, oh, absolutely. I am. <laughs> I am. I'm going to be waiting for that Common uh, Rider Ryuki video. Like I think that's what. That I I'm so taken. And apologies, listeners. I'm just going to go into Common Rider corner here for a second. I'm so taken with the. Um, with the overseas fandom of Common Rider, and it, it's it was so funny to me to find somebody. Like uh, my friend, my friend, my friend Josh, who is uh, a, a common a common rider, like ride or a uh, common ride or die, you might say. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's got collections. He's got like the lock seeds. He's got, I say the lock seeds because that's the only one I can remember off the top of my head. But he's got like, he's got the. Uh, you know the morphers from like five different seasons he's such a collector like he knew everything and it's just like i can't believe like it's just one of those times where it's like i didn't even know this fandom existed and then the more you dig into it you know there's a lot of people on youtube who have uh stuff on common rider but i would i as somebody who wants to learn more about the history i can't wait for your ryuki episode uh i really want to know more about the 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 history and more about the show itself and of course i'm i'm a big fan of those types of videos so i'm really excited for what you've got coming up and uh and of course best of luck with the podcast and everything i, I just see you making moves and i'm i'm very happy that you're uh doing doing what you like to do and i know that it's a lot of hard work doing this sort of stuff but uh i i can tell you that i appreciate what you're doing and i hope that our listeners will um will will invest their time and hopefully even kick in a couple bucks for you. Yeah, absolutely, honestly. And I will say first off, um about that Ryuki video, um I I have like so many thoughts on that show. Um really resonated with me like very much. So, my plan actually is to it would just be covering the um a little bit of the history uh, my thoughts on the show um, and the little uh, Augusto crowdsover because I'm able to tie it into like my own thesis but it's basically just going to be about the show um, if I ever got enough 
uh, I would be so down uh, to look at a lot of the side content for the show. But I am focusing on getting a foundation first instead of overwhelm myself with many different projects. It, it's definitely what I'm trying to focus on. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, especially like once you once you start, once you realize that you can do something, and then you're just like, well, I can do all these other things, and like the hardest thing could be to just fo- like just harness your focus and and use it. Uh, maybe not sparingly, but just wisely, because yeah. unfortunately, we most of the time we can't do absolutely everything we want to do. But I'm so glad that you took time out to do this episode with me, and I look forward to when we can be on a podcast again, whether it's this one or another one in the future. So, absolutely, for El- yeah. For Elwood City Limits, uh, my name's Will Young, and for Cash, I am Cash or Adam, if you prefer. We'll uh, see you next time. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. I I don't know where I was going with that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Take care. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody.